please welcome to the stage our panelists for supporting tribal economic development. Well, thank you, tribal leaders, for hanging in. Uh, give yourselves a round of applause for you know being here for the very last panel. Uh, but I would say that this is the best panel, so despite what we have all heard for the last two days. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here to moderate the panel, uh, which is supporting tribal economies. It's very important um, to us. And so uh, I would love to say uh, we keys, you know, walk. I am greetings everyone and good day. My name is Chief Many Hearts Lynn Malerba from the Mohegan Tribe, and I am currently serving as, proudly serving as the Treasurer of the United States, and I'm very proud to represent Indian Country. So this panel is really important to us because, as we've seen, there has been this rapid infusion of funding into Indian country. And we've seen a lot of support from President Biden's administration. As you heard yesterday with the um, executive order that talks about providing federal funding in a more flexible and uh, culturally sensitive way, and to ensure that our departments are all working together, as well as, you know, the bilateral infrastructure law, the American Recovery Plan. And, you know, we have just seen such wonderful things happening in Indian country. And we all know that the number is $46 billion, but really it's $46 billion. And that's just amazing that we've been able to see the gains that we've had in Indian country. And we know that we're not done with the work that we have to do, uh, but this work is really very important. And I've seen tribes throughout the United States being very creative, being culturally responsive in all of the projects and the works that they've done, whether it's housing or uh, broadband, uh, reliability, creating broadband, doing microgrid projects, and all kinds of things, uh, food sovereignty projects, and you know, food uh, processing plants to make sure that their tribal citizens have enough food. Um, so we're really excited to, about the work that's happening in Indian country, and, and I'm so proud of all of the communities that I've been able to visit. I think the other thing that, you know, it is highlighted for us, though, is that there are capacity issues uh, within Indian country, and that's something that we want to problem solve as an administration. Um, so today, as we think about this, we want to think about, you know, how, you know, what tribes have said to us as we've been out and about in Indian country. And, you know, what we've heard is that tribes want federal funding to be more streamlined and to be more flexible and to be able to uh, combine funding whenever possible so that you can have a long-lasting and sustainable effect within your communities. Um, and so today, this panel is going to focus on some milestones and announcements uh, from the Biden administration and bring to the forefront the perspective of the lone tribal leader on our panel. No pressure there, uh, Lieutenant Governor Anna Tubby. Uh, and um, so I'm going to ask him to introduce himself first, and then I'll introduce the rest of the panelists. Thank you, Chief Malerba, uh, or Tr Madam Treasurer. Uh, Either one is fine. I'm so used to calling you Chief Malerba. Uh, but Sohochifo Chris Anoa'abi, Tishomingo Chikasasaya. My name is Chris Anatebi, um, Chickasaw Nation Lieutenant Governor. I'm a proud descendant of Bird Clan. 
and actually, this is something that's very meaningful to me, uh, as well as my father, uh, Governor Bill Anatubby. For years, we went, uh, you know, a lot of these traditions are passed down over time. We went many decades without really knowing that, and we, we were run upon that. we proud to say uh, come from a long li- line of leaders from the Bird Clan or Foshi Clan in our language. And actually, Anoa'abi is how it's pronounced in our language. It means to walk and kill, so better watch out. <laughs> uh, proud warrior name, uh, Chickasaw warrior name, so uh, thank you. I'm pleased to have the opportunity to, to speak about uh, these economic uh, development opportunities, and thank you for allowing me to introduce myself in my language. Uh, I, I'm a little new at this, so did you ask me a question? I apologize. Not yet. Okay, not good. yet. This is just to well, introduce yourself. That'll right? conclude my introduction, but thank you. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very, I'm very uh, honored to be amongst so many esteemed uh you know, tribal leaders, elders, people with much wisdom and knowledge, uh, utmost respect from me uh, as a newer tribal leader. I uh, look to learn so much from many of you as I look to our leaders as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. And so directly next to me is the Deputy Secretary of Treasury, uh, Wally Adiamo, also my boss. So we're very happy that he's here today. Um, and I'm going to just introduce everyone, uh, but in the interest of time, I would refer you to everyone's bios because everyone on this stage is very accomplished in their own right. Um, so thank you if you will do that for me. Um, next is the Small Business Administrator, uh, Isabella Guzman. Good to see you today. And seated next to her is the Office of Management and Budget Director, Shalanda Young, thank you. And next to her is the Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary, uh, Wheezy Little Elk Garapan. So thank you all for being here today. And now we'll get to the hard stuff, which are the questions. Uh, but hopefully, you know, we, uh, we're, we're going to get through them all. I'm giving everyone, so I have to be the timekeeper here, but I'm going to ask you all to be Scouts Honor and to look at the four minutes and uh, whenever I ask you a question so that I don't have to be rude and, you know, give you the hook. Um, so the first question is for Lieutenant Governor Anna Tubby. Could you comment on your nation's experience with the historic amounts of funding made available through the American Rescue Plan um, and you know, the bipartisan infrastructure law and the Inflation Reduction Act? And, and if you could provide some examples, we would really appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, and you know, uh, I think someone mentioned it before, giving a tribal leader a microphone. I'm going to do my very best for you, Chief. Okay. Thank you. I so appreciate we don't put that. I'm from New England. You. I'm going to okay. hold you to it. But, uh, you know, with the historic amounts of funding, um, of course, we were very, very thankful for the financial support. Um, you know, we, we have great uh, needs in our communities as far as uh, our natural resources, clean water, uh, clean uh, air, lots of different, different uh priorities. Uh, I'll give a few examples. You know, we're we're also doing some new things. There were some new programs that we weren't really uh, uh, operating or running that we had access to funding for these types of opportunities. Uh, We worked worked pretty well with our local communities on some of these needs. Uh, we uh, We took some of our ARPA funding. We worked with the local communities. We also worked with the Indian Health Service. 
We worked with the state as well. As, as, you know, it might be difficult to imagine at times, but we have a lot of friends uh, in, in the state legislature, um, you know, that we were able to work with in state agencies uh, to, to evaluate the needs of the communities. We invested ten, tens of millions of dollars along with our other partners uh, to improve uh, clean water, uh, run new water lines, improve water lines, uh, create wastewater treatment facilities where they were uh, long needed. Uh, a lot of these, a lot of these small rural communities really need help upgrading their uh, their uh, water systems, and they just don't have the funding or the tax base to do that. Um, that's one area where we focused a lot of effort was uh, infrastructure, and so we made that decision early on, Governor, uh, in our. Uh, our natural resources office worked with directly with those communities to improve. And we're talking a little bit about economic development. We know we have to have uh, great infrastructure in order to develop the economies. And so this went hand in hand, uh, clean water, uh, new water treatment facilities. Um, uh, one, one particular area that we looked at that was very important, um, broadband's been mentioned. Uh, we applied for several grants and were thankful to be awarded some some sizable amounts to improve uh, broadband to our rural uh, citizens. Um, I believe over 2,500 households will likely be affected with the investments that we were already doing some improvements to broadband, but coupled with this new federal funding, we were able to, to really spread it around a lot more. We're also working with the state and, and the broadband kind of coalition there to uh, to improve rural rural broadband. Uh, I mentioned a new program that we really ha didn't have much experience with, uh, the SSBCI program. We're able to de deploy. Hopefully, we, we were allocated uh, 16 million dollars in order to promote. Uh, well, we created a collateral support program for. Uh, entrepreneurs and our, our Chickasaw citizens or native citizens that would like that need some help. Also, a venture capital program, so eight million dollars a piece. Uh, so, I guess it's, the, the verdict's still a little bit out on that because we are new, but we've got a great team at the Chickasaw Nation, and we're we're also uh, getting technical assistance that was uh, provided from from Treasury. Um, we're also uh, Look, you know, I mentioned the broadband. That that's going to touch a lot of. I may have gone over my four minutes already, Chief. But uh, so clean water, water infrastructure, wastewater, uh, you know, broadband, and also we want to promote economic activity by supporting our citizens. So I better. I better move on. Uh, I believe I'm, I'm right on that time. Well, you'll Thanks. get another question. Too, I know. So. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a few more coming. So uh, this next one is for SBA Administrator Guzman. The SBA has played a critical role in helping grow the 14.6 million new business starts since President Biden took office. Can you share a little bit about the initiatives that your agency has led, uh, like the American Rescue Plan-funded Community Navigator, uh, pilot and your work to increase access to capital in Indian country. 
Yes, and it's a, it's an exciting number. 14.6 million new business applications filed. Uh, that means that we're 50% higher than any other period in history. It's the number one year, number two year, now going on to the number three year in terms of rankings uh, for business starts in all history, That uh, the history of it's being tracked. And so uh, that just represents a lot of hope and optimism. When you jump in to start a business, as uh, all our entrepreneurs know, it takes a, a tremendous leap of faith, uh, risk-taking, but also a calculation that there's some opportunity to grow revenues uh, for that business and seek opportunity to build wealth. And uh, you know, so this is a remarkable time for the administration, reflecting the policies uh, like the American Rescue Plan-funded programs that not only save the existing uh, small businesses in this country, but but really uh, created some uh, opportunities as we've been investing in America beyond that with the historic legislation and the uh, infrastructure and uh, chips and uh, Inflation Reduction Act. So we really, uh, you know, are, are hopeful in the future. But, you know, as the more than 350,000 Native uh, entrepreneurs know who create a, qu- a quarter million jobs out there in the communities, there are still barriers and challenges to accessing opportunity. And from day one, uh, President Biden uh, told me what my objective was, and that was to uh, fill gaps in the marketplace, make sure that we didn't leave any communities behind. Uh, and it pained us all to see during the height of the pandemic in 2020, many communities left behind. Uh, businesses unable to access PPP or our COVID idle program programs or, uh, you know, or any other programs for that matter that would really have saved so many businesses. And so uh, from day one, it's been about filling those gaps and it starts with trust and building networks in communities. And so the Community Navigator Pilot Program funded through the American Rescue Plan uh, was an exceptional program because it invested in the local stakeholders, the local trusted organizations who had connections to community. Uh, and we funded uh, over 44 uh, hubs and spokes within the Community Navigator Program, about 10% of all the grantees uh, that focused on Indian country, uh, including Awista Corporation, which uh, focuses on CDFIs and strengthening native CDFI lending uh, in this country. And we believe as a result of the thousands and thousands of hours of consulting, the businesses advised uh, through this network, as well as our core networks uh, at the SBA, that, that that is why we've seen as well, tremendous growth in capital access in this country under the president's leadership. Uh, SBA, for example, we put out about $50 billion a year, every year across our programs, investment programs, uh, loan programs, disaster direct loan programs. Uh, and you know, with this capital programs, we've seen uh, an over a third increase in the number uh, and dollar amount, or excuse me, over 70% increase in the number of loans and the dollar amount was almost double uh, to Indian country. And, you know, nearly, uh, uh, you know, to see those kinds of growth statistics, and it, this happened across our underserved markets, it was a result of actions taken during the Biden administration uh, to, one, build the connections to get businesses and communities capital ready, uh, but also the reforms that we we implemented across the capital programs, the expansion 
expansion of our distribution network. Uh, we now have 11 native lenders uh, in our program as a result of the outreach that we've done, including just recently provided uh, for the first time in, in, in decades, opened up our small business licensing company portfolio uh, and awarded a license to uh, Alaska Growth Capital. Uh, Bristol Bay runs Alaska Growth Capital, but this is an organization that's now going to expand uh, across the country, starting with Washington and Hawaii and Montana and focusing on tribal lending in particular. And this is an issue that we've really tried to hone in on and overcome some of the barriers to capital access that exist in our program. We've simplified eligibility and underwriting and expanded our distribution network so that we can continue to grow year over year by 70% plus to really ensure that the dollars get out into the community. And it's nearly a quarter billion dollars that we put out in in lending uh, to Native borrowers last year in our programs, and we want to see that grow. Well, that, that sounds terrific. And you know that there's such an entrepreneurial spirit in Indian country. There are so many small businesses, but they create such a, a wonderful economic opportunity, and not only for their own community, but for other, you know, other local uh, community members as well. So thank you for that. Uh, Governor Anatoly, Lieutenant Governor Anatoly, I'm back to you. Um, so given the recent executive order and the related efforts underway to streamline federal funding and contracting programs like the 8A program, what do you see as some of the biggest opportunities for Indian country in the economic development space and what more could we be doing? Well, I think the 8A program in and of itself is very special and unique. Uh, there are a lot of opportunities there. Uh, I think it might be good to provide some education and technical assistance to uh, tribes and the organizations to uh, implement. It's not easy, per se. We've we've been in an 8A. Uh, we've we've had an 8A for about, well, I guess over 20 years now. And um, we were talking backstage. It's had some ups and downs, uh, but it's doing really well now. But it takes a little bit to get going, and you have to learn your way through it. There are a lot of opportunities with government contracting. The Buy Indian is also another thing that I heard that's very encouraging. Uh, there's a lot more uh, opportunity there. What we're really talking about is the, the deployment of capital. Uh, that's that's going to promote that economic growth, whether it's through programs, whether it's through set-asides. Uh, direct funding is always great. Uh, if we can figure out some some programs to direct fund tribes for the to to stimulate these these opportunities, um, we've seen that in our in our area in southeastern Oklahoma. Uh, we're very thankful, and and really as as I visited around the the country, it's it's working elsewhere. Every tribe is unique. Uh, regions with different tribes are unique, so there's going to be some different opportunities. Um, but really, each federal you know agency or department. If they could find a way to have some set-asides for tribes to, to push it and streamline that directly to the tribe, it's best. It goes to the essence of our sovereignty and the ability to make decisions that uh, our tribes are unique and they, they can choose best locally what to do with that, with that money and in the community. So thank you. Thank you. As we say, if you know one tribe you know one tribe, right? That's correct. (laughs) So Director Young, um, your office is so important to us. And, you know, tribes have recommended for quite some time improved coordination of federal funding programs in the federal budget process. And you have been very responsive and you've helped 
consultations for the first time. Uh, and it's important, I think, as we engage with you um, to now think about, you know, how we are going to focus on improving federal coordination. Um, for instance, with the Access to Capital Initiative in the White House Council on Native American Affairs. Yesterday, the president took a giant step further with his executive order that I know you are very familiar with um, on federal funding yesterday. So I wondered if you could share with us major aspects of that executive order and what improvements the OMB has made to the annual budget process already, because I know you've been very responsive to Indian country. Well, one, thank you if you've been on one of the many tribal consultations uh, we have held. Uh, we promise to listen, um, and I think listen we have. Uh, we often talk a lot from the federal government side without listening. Uh, and uh, one of our, and my promise really, was to, to listen and hold consultations. We're often that agency who's in the background uh, supporting or nudging or saying no to our other fellow agencies who are up here, but uh, Tribal Nation is uh, smart. You know who OMB is, and you said, wait a minute, we need a direct line in. Uh, so we listened, and, and uh, it is really joyful to have the, the direct line uh, and to hear one thing that does not seem like a big deal but is helpful is we hired someone. We took them from HHS, um, and we have our first several ever uh, uh, tribal lead at the Office of Management and Budget, and I hope uh, administrations after the Biden administration keeps that position uh, and builds that position out because it is critical uh, given the unique issues in, in tribal uh, nation Indian country uh, that you face uh, and given the role that OMB has in our budget process uh, and we get to see things from the 10,000-foot level uh, and we get to help in program design. So as people look at set-asides and programs where it makes sense uh, to ensure that uh, tribes have a direct line of funding, uh, those are the kinds of things we have a lot of influence over. Uh, so it's important that we listen We listen directly. Um, I was proud of the way ARP was set up. I got to work on the precursor to that legislation uh, when I was staff director of appropriations uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi had us had us working furiously, getting prepared for a future Biden administration and working on uh, this fund and uh, the way I believe tribes were treated were fairly with a, your own direct source of funding. Uh, and for what I hear from the lieutenant governor and what I've heard from others is how much of a difference uh, that funding has made. But I'm glad the president's taken a further step. Uh, OMB uh, is going to to oversee a, 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 a tribal task force on budget, um, and is just going to kick our uh, our consultation and our work on tribal issues from a budgetary uh, standpoint into overdrive. Um, we listen now; it's time to put into action uh, directly to make sure our budget is seen through uh, the lens to make sure you have exactly what the lieutenant governor talked about. Uh, if you know one tribe, you know one. Um, you know, it's, and it's our, our duty to make sure you have the resources you need uh, to, to, to deal with, I know, very complex issues. Um, but before we even got to this point with the new EO, one of the things I will always be proudest of, but I'll be prouder when we actually get it passed, is mandatory funding, yes. which was the president's announcement last year at this tribal event uh, for Indian Health Service. You're talking to an appropriator, and appropriators hate mandatory funding because we love the annual process. So you all have done so much good consultation. You even convinced me to support mandatory funding. <laughs> that is huge. 
Um, you know, it's hard to argue when we see the potential shutdowns and, and brinksmanship um, that, you know, it causes extreme uh, duress across the federal, federal government. Uh, and having a health system operate with these fits and starts uh, is just a, a terrible way to manage a government, but certainly people's health care. Uh, so we're going to keep pushing uh, to make sure the president's proposal becomes law. And I want to thank you, and I want you to know I'm proud to, to be working on that, and we're going to get it done. Uh, and this task force is just going to make sure that one discrete decision turns into a lot of big decisions uh, that we see huge change in uh, Indian country, and I'm excited to be a part of it. Thank you. And we really do appreciate your support. Liz Carr has been wonderful. Um, but mandatory funding is music to my ears. That was my doctoral uh, pro- project at Yale. Uh, for, you know, and you know, if it ever happens, I'm, I'm going to take some credit for that. <laughs> you absolutely should. And, and for changing the mind of an appropriator. All right. All right. That sounds great. Um, Secretary Adiamo, uh, we've made mention of the importance of access to capital and funding opportunities for tribes and native businesses. And this includes continued disbursement of ARPA funds and full utilization of tax credits in the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, So I'd love to hear you comment a bit on Treasury's actions to improve access to capital and federal tax initiatives and your work in the Access to Capital Initiative. Thank you. Well, let me start out by saying a word of thanks to you for your leadership. Um, And I think that does deserve a round of applause. Um, I can be a nag. Fundamentally, the thing that I've learned um, in my time in government is that uh, people matter, access matters, positions matter, and having you in this seat matters, not only symbolically but realistically in terms of the way the policy is made. And I'll tell you why. Uh, Today, for the first time in history, the Treasury Department has a tribal office that is staffed by tribal citizens people who understand the issues, people who can advise their boss, you, but also advise me and the secretary in terms of how we make policy that it better reflects the realities of the world, the world as it is and as we want it to be. We don't have that office, honestly, without the support of people like the OMB director who's sitting over there. That deserves a round of applause because... Ultimately, it requires money to do things in our government, and not having the money to do things has been a major inhibitor. Over the course of the Biden administration, the Treasury Department has been responsible for providing $30 billion of support to Indian country. That's a historic amount of money. But even more important from my perspective than the money is the deepening of the relationship on a nation-to-nation basis with Indian country through the Treasury Department. We have hosted more than 50 consultations at Treasury. 400 engagements. We've been to Indian country because we want to hear directly from you in terms of how we deepen this relationship going forward. And I'm going to um, only be able to speak for four minutes, but because of that, I brought with me two reports that have been published about the work we've been doing together. One that talks about housing stability in Indian country, which is critically important. And you've used $5.3 billion of the money that we've provided to help build housing for your communities. And we want to work with you to make sure that we can advance that more. Um, Through programs like CDFIs, we've provided $300 million, more than $300 million, to native-owned or um, majority native-owned CDFIs. 
working closely with the SBA director. Our goal is to make sure that that capital we put in there is unlocked so that it can be invested in projects that help build housing, that help support small businesses. And I think what the lieutenant governor talked about in terms of the money that is going through SSBCI, the $16 million, is intended to make sure that not only are we providing resources that will support you in getting through the pandemic, but will help you make sure that your communities have economic self-determination as well by building a successful small business ecosystem. Over the course of the coming year, we're going to distribute an additional $60 million to more than 24 tribes. And the goal of this money is to make sure that it attracts private sector investment at a 10 to 1 ratio. Because what we know is that while we've provided a historical sum of money today, we have to make sure that going forward, we're investing in your community so they have the ability to be sustainable over the long run. And that speaks to the second report that I have here, which is around how the tax code and the new market tax credits can be used to do just that in terms of helping to build a relationship. So more than anything, more than the, the large amounts of money that we've provided through the American Rescue Plans and the other legislation, the most important thing for me, the most important thing for the chief, the most important thing for all of us is the deepening of relationships so we understand how we working together can ensure that you have the resources that are needed to provide for your tribal citizens and to make sure that your economies thrive because that is critical to making sure that the American economy thrives. So we thank you for the work we've done together. We look forward to continuing that in the future um, and unlocking the unrealized potential of your communities is central to our mission at the Treasury Department. So thank you for that. And I do want to thank you for not just visiting Indian country, but asking us, when can you visit Indian country? And, and to make that a reality, I would uh, just like to mention that Fatima Abbas, the first director of the Office of Tribal and Native Affairs, is here, and Josh Jackson, our, our policy advisor. Um, but we do appreciate that partnership, and, and it is um, everyone on this stage. It's your sincerity and your willingness to consider doing business a different way, and that's what's different about this administration. Um, so my next uh, question is for, you have such a long title here, Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary Garapan. Um, so we're happy to have you on the stage with us, and you've been a partner with us in so much of the work that we've done. So Interior is a major participant and leader um, in so many of the initiatives that we've discussed today. And I was laughing earlier. I said, you know, he's always sending me these really interesting articles about things that I might not have known about. One was this 30-year-old report from the Reagan administration, and it was fascinating. Um, but I wanted, I wondered if you could share a bit more about some of the deliverables that are coming out of the Access to Capital Initiative, in addition to some of the updates on the Buy Indian Act and regulatory updates. Absolutely. Thank you. Good afternoon, relatives. I greet you with a good heart. Uh, I am a uh, citizen of the Rosebud Sioux Tribe, and, and I come from the uh, wrapped hair band of my people. Uh, this is a, a topic uh, that is, is deeply personal to me. Uh, prior to, to joining the administration, I ran my tribe's economic development corporation. Uh, and we had a number of subsidiary businesses that uh, did business locally and with the federal government. Uh, we had a nonprofit and we had an emerging CDFI and it was all housed under one roof. And, and so 
the opportunity to, to work on these issues is, is uh, an honor and, and privilege. I want to talk about three things. Uh, first is, is the Bite Indian Act. And I, I want to underscore that leadership matters. Bite Indian Act was first enacted in 1910, over 100 years ago. And it wasn't until the Obama administration that regulations implementing the Bite Indian Act were first developed. And, and so we got to be a part of the team that helped develop that in the Obama administration. And then in the Biden administration, those regulations, uh, we got to be a part of the team that has updated those. And, and why, is, why is this important? Well, in 2019, at the Department of the Interior, uh, we did $317 million dollars with Indian businesses across the entire Department of Interior. Under the, under the, that, that was 2019. Under the leadership of Secretary Holland and within the Biden administration, last year, in 2023, we did $1.4 billion with Indian businesses. That's over a billion dollar increase. And, and it shows the power of what good policy, what good regulation, and what good leadership can do for Indian country. That's dollars that it's going to individually owned and tribally owned businesses and creating good jobs throughout Indian country. And, and that's something to be proud of. And, and we can do more. Uh, and, and the power there is, is amazing. I also want to talk a little bit about uh, some of the work that we've done through the White House Council uh, on, on uh Native American Affairs and, and our Access to Capital Initiative. Uh, we have, have developed what we're calling a clearinghouse. And, and you got a little card right here. You, you see it. And, and there's a website on here and, and a QR code. You can go there. And what this is is a clearinghouse of federal funding opportunities, loans, grants, loan guarantees, and other opportunities that are available to tribes uh, and tribal entities. One of the biggest things that we heard uh, during our numerous consultations in, in the uh, development of uh, how we were going to implement our IRA and BIL funding was the need for technical assistance and the need to have one place where your tribal leaders and tribal grant administrators and tribal businesses can go to find all of those opportunities, and through uh, working through the White House Council, we've developed that. Uh, we call this version one. Uh, so take a look, make comments, tell us how we can do better. But again, there are over 500 opportunities that are for the, the are available to tribes. Um, you know, worth billions and billions of dollars. And then, and then third, uh, you know, as as a part of you know the the access to capital initiative. We're always hearing from tribes that, that we need more, more funding. We need more resources. Almost every meeting that, that we're a part of, a lot of it comes back to that. And one of the basic questions that, that we're asking, uh, that, that we're, we're getting to, and this is what, what this RFI, this request for information is about, is how much. What is the actual dollar amount that we can tie this to? And it takes me back to, to a, an afternoon back when I was working with my tribe and, and my CFO uh, came in and, and we said, well, how much capital do we need? 
And, and so we took 45 minutes and we sat on the, uh, we started writing on our whiteboard and we're like, okay, well, you know, we got, uh, we need to build 3000 homes. We wrote that down. Uh, we, we need to, we have 219 megawatts of, of renewable energy permitted. All right, let's put that down. Uh, we like to buy this organic farm that, that's within our reservation. We put that down and we came to $2 billion just for the projects that we had on the table for our tribe and our corporation. This request for information that, that is in draft form that, that we're going to be consulting on is Indian country's opportunity to put all of that down on a whiteboard for the federal government to take in. So that when we think about that number, how much do we need? What is the opportunity? We have something that we can tie it back to. And this is important not only for federal funding and federal resources, but it can also unlock opportunity in the private sector because we know that all of this is not going to be met by the federal government. It's going to require the private sector as well, uh, lending institutions and other institutions that, that can come to the table uh, to see increased investment throughout Indian country. Um, that is available. It's on the White House Council uh, uh, website. Um, we're going to be announcing a consultation on that. It's in draft form. Go take a look at it. Tell us what works, tell us what doesn't work, and tell us how we can improve this uh, so that we can get this out to Indian country. Um, and so we're really excited about this. Thanks. Thank you. It is a big initiative, and it's a big lift, and we appreciate that it really is an interagency um, initiative as well. Um, so, Director Young, uh, related to interagency initiatives, uh, OMB has a, a key role in implementing President Biden's two presidential memorandums on tribal consultation and in developing the president's annual budget request for all departments. Um, so, Director Young, what improvements has OMB made to the annual budget process? So, one, we continue, and I talked about this a little already, uh, with the development of this task force. I think we're going to make uh, even more improvements, and clearly the Department of Interior is a, a key partner here. We have the expertise in putting budgets together. Uh, all of our agencies have... Uh, have direct, you heard uh, the deputy secretary, you heard the administrator have programs, uh, but I look to, and I think the government recognized Department of Interior uh, as our major interlocutor for uh, relationships uh, with Indian country. So we must work it to make sure that we're, we are hitting the right notes, uh, going to the right people, listening to the right things. Uh, and Deb Holland, let me tell you, uh, I've gotten to travel with your secretary. Um, uh, she is an inspiration to me personally in seeing uh, young people, uh, especially uh, young Indian people, react to, to Deb is something that just cannot uh, be overstated, the feelings and emotions uh, that come with that. So she inspires me uh, to do better uh, and to make sure we put systems in place especially as we're talking about resources, especially when we get uh, this whiteboard of information, how do we turn that uh, into something real in the budget process? Now, we are one part of the budget process. This administration promises you uh, that we will prioritize programs, especially as we get more information back from you and not just decide what that is from the federal government. That is why uh, what the principal deputy Secretary, thank you. 
Thank you for that. Uh, mention is important because we have to not be prescriptive from D.C., but we have to be reactive to what uh, the real needs are. But we are one piece of the puzzle. Um, I happen to spend most of my career in Congress. Uh, yeah, you all read about him. <laughs> and you know them. The good news is, uh, and this is very different when I started over 20 years ago, the good news is when you bring up tribal programs, you do meet a receptive bipartisan uh, reception. Uh, I got to work many years with Tom Cole. Um, I know many of you have worked with uh, he and Betty McCullough. I mean, there's just such a... He's Chickasaw, by the way. I, I, I thought I might have hit a, <laughs> hit a connection there. Uh, but, you know, that, that's the good news. The bad news is uh, we do have a climate in which... Uh, even with bipartisan support, there is a, a tight budgetary climate. Uh, and that is just a reality of things. So I always uh, want to be realistic with people, and that's kind of my, my thing. Um, so we're going we're gonna to do the right thing. We're going to, to push uh, for more resources, but we all have to be cognizant of the tough budgetary climate uh, that is upon us, especially with budget caps and the, and the debt ceiling deal, um, and it's going to be tough. Um, but this is the good news is this is one of the areas when we inter, interface with the Hill um, where we find willingness to have conversations and find the right uh, resources. I go back to mandatory. That is why, though, getting things uh, in a mandatory way frees up resources that don't have to compete uh, for other things, especially... Uh, especially for in tribal programs where um, we could do more in the education sector, more in infrastructure, um, but the resources we're spending at IHS really does crowd out a lot of those other things. So it comes back to trying to find a relief valve, uh, mandatory. So I look forward to seeing what comes in from a resource perspective so we can answer the mail there. Uh, we are one half of uh, this funding picture, though, and I want to be realistic. We all have our work to do, and we... On, on all of these funding issues with Congress, but I know some people have an in here, uh, and there's also bipartisan will to make sure we are uh, doing right by Indian country. And we so appreciate your partnership on that. And, uh, and I know that the tribal leaders in the room are huge advocates and make their voices heard on the Hill as well. Well, I'm a government official, so I would never tell you what to go say. Oh, no. But. Right, but. That's right. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, we really do appreciate, you know, your willingness to hear and listen and learn. And so thank you. And for traveling in Indian country. Um, so the next question is, and I think it's going to be the last question. You're off the hook, Lieutenant Governor. Um, I think this is going to be the last question. But um, for Administrator Guzman, um, earlier... Uh, Lieutenant Governor Anatubby talked a bit about the opportunity of the 8A programs and what that means to Indian country. Um, so could you comment on that, especially in the light of the recent Supreme Court case on affirmative action and how SBA is working to ensure that tribes and tribal businesses continue to be robust participants in contracting? And federal contracting is such a huge opportunity. So I, I love this topic. I mean, it's, uh, and for small businesses, it's over a $650 billion opportunity to do business with the federal government, help agencies achieve mission. 
the SBA powers, the small business spending through the federal government, uh, through aggressive uh, coaxing and cajoling, through uh, scorecard initiatives and goaling initiatives. But President Biden has really leaned in, uh, in particular in programs that, uh, like the 8A, uh, by setting a high goal for the small disadvantaged business spend within the small business spending uh, to 15% by 2025. Uh, we, um, you know, we've seen in the 8A program in particular, which is a powerful economic development vehicle for our country. Uh, it not only develops the individual uh, companies who get certified, but uh, it impacts uh, you know, local wealth building. It impacts our ability to compete globally. A lot of these firms go on to, uh, now that they've been able to handle the large contracting with federal government, go on to compete abroad. Uh, and over the past uh, uh, over the past 40 years, $200 billion has gone out through the 8A program uh, to Indian country, to Native uh, tribal entities and Native-owned businesses. Uh, and in 22, uh, 19, or in fiscal year 22, that was $20 billion. So you see an incredible growth in this community uh, in accessing the 8A program and working with the SBA. And it's not by accident. The SBA has made a concerted effort uh, to partner with tribal communities, uh, ANCs, NHOs across the board to ensure that this economic development tool uh, is being leveraged to, to, to build wealth in communities. And I don't know how many are our current 8A uh, entities out there, either your tribe has eight days or your tribal entity. So there are you know, about 700 tribal 8A firms currently in, in SBA that we've certified, and there are about 170 tribes that are utilizing this program. And uh, actually last year, after speaking on the same panel, so you're inspiring some 8A activity out there, um, you know, we, we, we've, I have had follow-up meetings with the Manchantucket tribe who's trying to expand beyond gaming strategies and economic development and further leverage the 8A program. It's a powerful tool. And what's important in this administration is, you know, President Biden, Vice President Harris have been so committed to equity and procurement. And despite the ultimate case, despite uh, anti-DEI activities in the courts writ large, uh, we have made a, a, a strong stance to continue to support equity uh, in procurement and ensure that the 8A program could be protected as the strong and powerful vehicle that it is. Uh, and we are not allowing the courts to take us backwards. And as a result of the ultimate case that really went to the core of the 8A program to challenge it uh, and uh, the, the, our ability to use this as a sole source tool, uh, the agency took quick action, first of all, to recognize that tribes did not have to uh, prove socio-disadvantage uh, and that unlike the court's you know, order, we did not have to recertify, uh, in essence, the tribes. And we took immediate action to streamline them through the process to ensure that they could access contracts uh, in the 8A program at the end of last fiscal. Uh, and to date, we've now certified, recertified over 80% of the 8As, and we're still in process in several hundred more. Uh, so that last year, not a single contract was withdrawn from the 8A program across the federal agencies. And that really spoke to the actions of Department of Justice, the White House, and SBA coming together uh, to ensure that we were in compliance with the injunction against the SBA uh, and, in fact, reopened the program and have started to accept new applications and have processed applications. And so um, we, um, you know, we know that this is a powerful tool, but there's improvements that can be made uh, and are uh, working to streamline certifications across our programs as we've done with VET certifications uh, and ensure that 
there's a faster access to this sole source opportunity and to provide better support, maybe more targeted support to the tribes. Uh, we've had, uh, you know, multiple tribal listening sessions over 15 and most of them uh, on the government contracting side to hear what is needed in order to propel tribes to start with the 8A program or expand in the 8A program to grow your company base and provide services to the federal government because we buy everything, as Shalanda could tell you, from flowers to ammunition, and uh, we want to make sure that tribal entities are there to serve uh, the federal government and that they uh, get the business development skill sets as well as the capital, the bonding, uh, and everything that's necessary in order to perform on these contracts. So we're very proud of the program and the accomplishments uh, and the huge financial impact that it has uh, and hope to build on that $20 billion that we put out through the 8A program last year uh, into the future. So thank you, and I'm always happy to have the last word, so I have the last word today. Uh, but I, I, I hope that everyone recognizes that this panel and, and this you know, interagency panel, everyone brings such a good heart to the work that they do. And I want to thank everyone here on this panel for being so open and interested and willing to change how we work with one another. It's so important to Indian country, and the work that we do is really personal. It impacts all of our tribal citizens' lives in such a very personal way. And, you know, we just want to thank you for moving this agenda forward, for making sure that we can continue to talk and be creative about how we serve um, our our people. Um, So I would ask that everyone recognize how hard everyone is working here and to give this panel a round of applause.